0: It's been a while since I've been up here. I MC once in a while, but to uh, come up and preach to you is a big honor. It's been about 10 months. I haven't been up here in 2020 at all. And as you know, a lot has happened this year, right? We've had the COVID, the lockdown. We had to close our church's doors for the first time since I've been here in I think 15 years. Uh, there's still a lot going on. Right now in, in the West, we have fires raging. We have storms coming up from the south, right? We had murder hornets coming down from the north, and we have these mysterious seeds that just appeared from China. I don't know what that is, don't open your mail. Uh, But a lot of crazy things. I'm wondering if anything good can come from 2020. Wait, that's supposed to tap, can you hear that? Can anything good come from, I got married two weeks ago, congratulate me, thank you. I'm going to embarrass my wife. I can say that. She's sitting right there, my beautiful wife. So sorry, ladies, I'm taken. She's going to kill me for saying that. I'm sorry. I had to. All right. So uh, again, thank you for allowing me to speak to you guys today. I believe that God gave me a message for you. Like I said, it's a crazy time. It's a crazy time in the world that we're going through. And I think we're all looking for something big in our lives, some kind of meaning. I've always been looking for meaning in my life, and today I'm talking about purpose, talking about your purpose, talking about my purpose, and I hope by the end of today, you're all going to walk out of these doors knowing what your purpose is. We're going to break down some scripture, and we're going to see what that looks like. Um, So, A little bit about me. I grew up from divorced parents when I was a kid, and I used to go with my father every single weekend. And every single weekend on a Saturday, he'd bring me into the basement of a church. My father's a Christian now, but back then he wanted me to know my Native American heritage. Yes, I have a Native American heritage. Can't tell without the long hair and all that, but my father's like 50% Native American. So he used to take me to something called powwows every Saturday morning. And there we would bang on drums, we'd make drums, we'd string beads, we'd sing, we'd chant and then somebody would tell us all these beautiful sounding creation stories that everybody loved to hear but I really don't think anybody actually believed. So when I became a teenager, I started to look for my own purpose, my own meaning, and that led me to buy tons of self-help books. I, um, I started studying Asian philosophy. I, I was a practicing Buddhist for a while. I did Zen Buddhism and meditation every single day for about 10 years. That led me to do yoga, and I fell into some Hinduism beliefs with more meditation, more yoga and more chanting Um, and then finally in my 30s I found it I found it for you guys the meaning of life purpose and it's all found in this book specifically the passage that we're going to look at today took me a few years to understand it but I remember finding it and I want to share it with you guys today Uh, but before we can find out our purpose we need to know who we are but I'm getting ahead of myself. Would you, uh, would you stand with me? We're going to read from the Word of God. We're going to Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 and it says and this is Paul right in the church of Ephesus so he's writing to fellow believers fellow Christians and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and mind and were by nature, uh, by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for Good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them let us pray father God I thank you for the ability to speak to your people here today Lord I pray that everything that I say is helpful to everyone who's here and everyone who's watching online I pray if there's anything in my mind in my mouth that I want to say that's not of you Lord that you take it out and I pray that if there's anything I missed, that you fill my head, fill my mind, and fill my mouth with your words, Lord. I pray that we all receive something helpful from you today, as we know your word does not come back void. And above all, Lord, I pray that we see and experience the grace of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so there's a lot there and we're gonna unpack it. Basically, I've got four points for you in four statements that's all broken up there. And before you leave today, like I said, I hope and pray that you walk out of here knowing if you don't already know what your purpose is in this life, because I believe we all have one. But this statement, this statement uh, at the beginning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over a couple things a couple times because I think it's really important, but I'm going to go over the beginning. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. What that's saying is a statement, the condition that we're all born into. Look, you can't pick when you're born. You can't pick where you're born. You can't pick who your parents are. You can't pick the sex that you're born into. You can't pick your ethnicity. And just like that, you can't control the fact that you were born, born separated from a perfect and holy God that created you. That's what that statement says. That's what I believe. And that's something that we're all born into. We're all born into a problem. So we have a problem and hopefully we can come to fix that. The world today will sell you on the idea that you can fix yourself, right? These are the self-help books that I bought. These are the religious rules that I studied. When I was meditating and, and studying all the philosophies, I was trying to fix myself. I innately knew that there was something wrong with myself that needed to be fixed. I knew I wasn't good. I knew I wasn't perfect. I knew I wasn't holy. Not that I knew even then that there was a God that I needed to get reconciled back to, but I knew that I wasn't good enough so something in me was seeking to become better but the problem is if you didn't create yourself you can't fix yourself no matter how hard you try sometimes I can even barely understand myself I remember when I first got my license my mother gave me directions to go and you remember these things directions people had to tell you how to get places they had to paper maps and all of these old things well I had that my mother sent me out to uh, go and get run an errand and I got lost and I didn't know what to do, so I called her. Actually, I had to find a pay phone. Back then, also, we had pay phones. You didn't have a phone on you. So I had to call my mother after I found a quarter and ask her where I was, how to get home, and I made it home. Now, I can barely go anywhere without Waze. I put Waze on. I, I just moved to Winsocket. after we got married. We, we got a nice place in Winsocket, so that's really cool, but we've only been there about two, two and a half weeks. Every day I come to work and I go home, I'm still putting ways on my phone, I don't know why. There's something comforting in knowing that somebody or something else has control over, you know, something that you don't think that you can complete. So, there's something innate about us where we're looking for something else, right? Uh, So we got back from our our honeymoon. We went away, I'll I'll call it a mini-moon actually. We went away for like three nights because we really want to go on a real honeymoon if and when the world ever opens again. But we went away for a few nights and we came back and and sorry honey, but I, I, I learned the saying that the honeymoon is over. When we came back, there were seven or eight packages on our porch for me to put together. She ordered all new furniture. And then I realized, it's my job to put this furniture together. I don't know if you've ever tried to do this lately. And the problem was, and again, I apologize, but she didn't, all, she didn't order it all from the same place. So I've got like eight different pieces of furniture from five different places, which meant all the directions were different. Once I thought I mastered putting together the end table, which wasn't that hard. Then I moved on to the coffee table, which was a little bit harder but the thing that I just couldn't get, which was strong and so hard to do, was the entertainment center. This thing came with 75 different wooden panels, about 35 different screws, long screws, short screws, wood screws, metal screws, flathead screws, Allen wrench screws. Have you used an Allen wrench lately? These things are such a pain in the butt. So I'm putting this thing together and halfway through, my screw gun runs out of juice. Great, so I had to go old school. I still have a bruise on my hand from screwing all the screws back in. But my point is, I had to take apart and put back together this entertainment center three times before I could get it to look like, I wanna say the picture, but they didn't even give you a picture. They give you directions with a sketch. I mean, give me a picture so I should know what it looks like. But they just give you a sketch of what each piece, I mean, put. 42 into part three using screws d and a and she's a sweetheart she thought she would help me you know how all the screws come together and they're all labeled well she took all the screws out and put them all on the table you know because that's gonna help me but i don't know what's what they all look the same all i'm trying to say is we can't fix ourselves we can hardly follow directions so we can read all the self-help books we want we can follow all the religious directions that are out there but unless we unless we created ourselves which we didn't we have no hope in discovering who we are or more importantly what our purpose is so here's another example i want you guys to check out about uh people trying to do something without proper direction watch this real quick the elbows are pointing up, and push up, just like you're pushing up the wall. Humans, trying to show other humans how to do something. Are you going to rely on them? Are you going to rely on yourself? I'm even talking about psychology here. Other humans trying to tell humans how to do something. The world wants it to get done. Look, all people have problems. We all have problems in our lives. And I get those phone calls more than anybody from probably you looking for help in your lives. That's why we have a Christian counselor or uh, Christian counselors that we use, not worldly ones. I think that's just important to mention. But we can't fix ourselves. So what do we do? We have a problem. If you're taking notes, then uh, here's your point number one. So go to waterschurch.guide really quick right there. We have all the notes for you. If you need paper notes, we have those coming in. But you know, my buddy Josh, Tim always says, if you want to get into heaven here at Water Church, you take notes. That's not true. That's a lie. But take notes. Point number one, who you were. Or who you are depending where you are in your walk with god from the first statement without god we can't fix ourselves and have no purpose but our own selfish desires like i said no self-help book no philosophy no religious organization no organization now right now a lot of people are joining social organizations to look for purpose. It can't give you purpose. I'm not saying what they're doing is a bad thing, but that's not your purpose. God's got something more for you. And no matter what you do, you can't be good enough. You can't be perfect enough. So what do we do? We've got a huge problem. We're born into this problem. A lot of us, were looking for answers, but God did something. And that's point number two. What did God do? Through Christ, our purpose is to be brought back to God. It says, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. We can't be good enough. So God had to do something. God had to fix the problem that man was stuck in. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus walked the earth. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why the blood of Jesus covers your sins. Look, if you accept the grace that God gives you freely, God gives his grace to all, everyone. It says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. So we all are given grace. It's up to you or not if you want to receive it. But Jesus died for everyone's sins of all time. My sins, your sins, past, present, and future sins. Jesus died for those sins. And that's the problem. That's the solution that God did to fix the problem. And once you truly understand and yes, accept who you are and what you were born into, only then, I believe, can you start to understand your true meaning and yes, your purpose. So that journey led me to uh, start to realize that I could never be good enough and, uh, and, and that God had to do something. So point number three we'll go right into because there's two things that I want to talk about here which goes on with grace and faith. But point three is who you are. God gives you two gifts worth more than anything that this world has to offer. Our purpose is to receive grace and faith. By grace, you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift, a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. See, God is love, and he gives us two incredible gifts. But you see, a gift, as I said, can be accepted or it can be rejected. And if you accept God's first gift of grace, then he has another gift for you and that's faith grace is for everyone grace is there for everyone we can all accept it or reject it reject it but if you accept grace then god gives you faith and unlike grace faith isn't equally given Right? Your, your faith might be different from your faith. My faith might be a little bit different of a measure than your faith. But that's okay. It doesn't matter how much faith you had, because Jesus says even faith as small as a mustard seed will move a mountain. So don't worry how much faith you have. Just desire to have it. That deserves an amen. Thank you. All right. So you all get grace, but some some will turn it down. And unfortunately, this is, this is the saddest thing that I can think of, honestly, in this life because I really believe there's only two destinations. The Bible tells us there's a heaven and a hell. And heaven and hell, believe it or not, are real. Heaven is perfect communion with the holy and just and loving God. And hell, hell is separation from that perfect and holy and just God. So what do we do? We can either accept his grace, we can either reject it. And uh, if you do reject it, if if you look at what it says about hell, it says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you Google gnashing of teeth, which I did after you get by all the biblical references, it talks about teeth grinding. I bet a lot of people here have been diagnosed with teeth grinding because it's prevalent in the world today. And one of the symptoms of teeth grinding is gnashing your teeth, which you can do at night, grinding your teeth. Well, it says the reason for teeth grinding and gnashing your teeth is anxiety. See, without God, we all are filled with anxiety. But with God, with God, there is no anxiety. So what do we do? How, how can we find purpose, right? We know who we were, which is important. We know what God did, which we need to remember. And we, and, 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 yeah, And we know who we are now. Who we are is saved by grace and filled with his faith. But what do we do? How can we find our purpose? Well, when I was studying Asian philosophy, I came across this uh, this saying, which is called ikigai. Maybe you've come across it like me looking on the internet, or maybe a high school guidance counselor was trying to use it to help you find a career. Or maybe a philosophy college class. But ikigai in English means meaning of life, or purpose. So I want to look at it because I think it can be helpful. I've got a fancy diagram for you guys to look at, and we're going to break this down. So it says in four parts how you can find the meaning of your life or your purpose. First part, what you love. What you love is your passion. This is what you're you know, what you innately love to do. It could be singing, it could be dancing, it could be coloring, it could be playing Play-Doh. I don't know, this is something that you love to do, playing with children, roller skating, something that brings joy to your heart, okay? Uh, The second part is what the world needs. What the world needs is your mission. I watch a lot of Shark Tank. Shark Tank says if you want to invent something, then find out what the world needs and fill that need, right? So there's something, if we all have a career that we want to do, uh, that the world needs and it's a good place to start. Find out what that is. So your mission is what the world needs third part is what you can be paid for. What you can be paid for is your vocation, right? This is uh, sometimes a skill that you develop. Sometimes it's a skill that you were just born with. Sometimes, uh, you know, and, and that could be plumbing, that could be carpentry, it could be anything. This is your vacation. Fourth part is what you're good at. What you're good at is your actual profession. So these four things in the middle, if you look in the center, is supposed to be, am I in the way, is supposed to be your Ikigai. This is supposed to be your purpose. Uh, The problem with this, and honestly, it's not a bad diagram for trying to find out what you wanna do with your life, but you're more, you're more than what you love. You're more than what the world needs. You're more than what you can get paid for. You're more than your profession, aren't you? I know I am, I know I have to be. You can't just do that. So that's not a bad diagram for trying to figure out what to do as far as a career. But I think God has a better plan for you trying to figure out your purpose. So let's look at a better, a better diagram. This, I think, is, is God's way to look at it. Here's a better example. Who you were, like we're talking about, your old life. Why is that important to remember? I thought I was saved by grace and faith. Why do I have to remember who I am? Because so many times Christians start to think that they've made it on their own. So many times. I know I've been guilty of that. And I know I, I actually hear it a lot. And I don't want to offend anybody. But a lot of people might come to different churches and say, what, what's, what's there in it for me? Uh, I need to get fed more. I need, I need these messages to be less about the gospel and more about filling me. And that astounds me, because people get saved and baptized at a church like this every single weekend. 10 baptisms last weekend, 21 salvations. I mean, when you're saved by grace, you need to realize that the gospel is no longer about you. You were saved. Now, what are you going to do with that? That's what's important. And that. That I think a lot of people need to remember. You didn't do it on your own, so it's not about you. But you need to remember what God pulled you out of, so you need to remember who you were, your old life. Then you need to remember what God did. What God did was gave you grace. He gave you the most incredible gift that could be given in this world. He gives you grace. That means he makes a right relationship with you and himself through his son, Jesus Christ. He makes you a beloved son, a beloved daughter. He calls you a citizen of heaven. That's who you are, which is the next one. Who you are is a person filled with faith. God gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you a measure of faith so that you know you are a citizen of heaven here for a short time on this earth because of that there's something that you need to do and what do we do what do we do is walk in our new life in our new life that God created for us and the point is here you need to remember who you were you need to know what God did you need to know who you are now and then you need to do something with it but how do you do that The only way you can do that every single day is putting God first, making him center, putting Christ and God in the center and not the meaning of your own life. Which brings me right to point number four. What do you do? Our ultimate purpose is to do God's will because of what he did for us, not because we need to earn his love. It says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus Four good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is truly amazing. God chooses you. God chose me. He makes you a citizen of heaven, makes you a beloved son and daughter. And he gives you two of the best gifts that this world has to offer, grace and faith. But he doesn't stop there. Then he gives you a purpose and your purpose is to walk in the good works which God created for you. And your purpose should change daily. Look, not many people are gonna have this big, overwhelming, walking on the moon, solving COVID, one experience in their life. No, you were created for more than one moment. You were created to walk with God every day. You were created to open up your eyes and search for your purpose every single day. Here's the thing, it doesn't say that you will walk in them. It says right there that you should walk in them. So even a seasoned Christian who's been walking with God for years and years and years can still miss out on the good works that God has for you every single day. Your purpose is not found in what you do, but in what God has done. You were created and saved not by good works, not by what you have done, but for good works. That's your purpose, ladies and gentlemen. That's the price for admission today. Hope you'll walk out knowing it, and I hope you search for it every single day because you can find it. Sometimes your daily purpose is simply growing closer to God, crying out with them, spending time with them. Sometimes it's inviting people to church because you're getting baptized. Sometimes it's getting baptized. We have baptism class right after this service. If you want to go, if you've given your life to Christ and haven't made that decision, go into the vault after this and find out what it's all about. Sometimes it, it can just simply be doing a good job at your work or at your school, being a good father, a husband. Sometimes it's just putting furniture together with your wife on a Sunday afternoon. Your purpose can and should change every single day but you have to look for it. You have to ask God to open up your eyes and ears, and you know what, he will. He'll open up doors for you if you just ask him to, and you look for it intentionally. You have a purpose, today, tomorrow, next week, next year, and God designed those purposes for you. That's what his word says, and God is not a liar. So if I had a sermon in a sentence, if I had a theme, it would be when you understand that the gift God has given you, when you understand that gift, only then can you live out your purpose daily. So we've been celebrating a lot of baptisms today, and I just have one more story about that and about purpose. Uh, A few weeks ago, right when COVID started, I received a phone call, I was sitting up in my office. We had to shut the doors down, like I said, for the first time in the church's history. And I got a phone call from a man named Mario. And Mario said that he wanted to come into the church to pray and unfortunately we didn't know what to do right because the lockdown happened and everybody had even us a little bit uh we're wary of letting people into the building we were trying to do what we were told we were found that we were essential but we were trying to be good stewards so i asked mario where where are you and he said he was in the parking lot in his car so i walked down i walked out i met with mario mario's sitting in his truck smoking a cigarette tears in his hair in his eyes tattoos on his arms profanity written all over his truck but i could tell that this man was hurting so i talked to mario and he told me that he had been battling cancer for years and he said that he thought he had be- beat it but last week he was told that he uh, had cancer again and his doctor told him he had a couple weeks maybe a couple months to live so I talked with Mario, I prayed with Mario, and I let him know if he needed anything to reach out to call me, uh, to get on an online group, one of our eFam groups, watch online, and as soon as the church opened, I told him to come in, watch with us, pray with us, but if he needed anything, uh, reach out and let me know. Well, about two months after that, we opened our doors back up, and I saw Mario walk in. Actually, he came limping in with a cane, He was hurting from all the chemo that his body was going through. And he came right up here, right after service, for prayer. And Brandon, our Guatemala campus pastor, would later tell me that Mario came up to him and he started to ask him for prayer for a healing in his leg and his hip that were hurting from the chemo. But something in Brandon said, No, I need to ask this man if he knows where he would go if he died today. And he asked Mario, and Mario said, no, I, I don't know where I would go if I die today. So right there and then, right at this altar, Brandon gave Mario the gospel of Jesus Christ, led him to believe in Jesus and gave him faith and reassurance that he would be in heaven when he did pass. Another month or so went by and I was sitting in my office and the phone rang again. This time it was Mario's daughter-in-law. And she told me that uh, Mario had been sent home on hospice, that he had been given a a few days to live. And I said, well, what what can we do? What does he need? And she said, he's just looking for some reassurance, some prayer, um, and he just wants to be around some godly people from the church, but he can't stand, he can't come in, he's in a wheelchair, he's in his home. So I called up Brandon and we went to Mario's place. And this is what happened, check this out. So Mario, today, in front of your family members, um, a few minutes ago, you just said that you would like to be baptized, because with me in the front of waters Church, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you ask him to be your Savior, and to forgive you for your sins. So today, I can baptize you if you, if you admit that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Amen. And before your family members, I'm going to baptize you today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We do this 3 times, my brother. One. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Love yeah. you, brother. All right. Woo! just Cools you down, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> amen. You, good. you were able to get baptized, man. That's awesome. Congratulations, bro. congratulations. We Very proud you. of you. We love you. Myra couldn't speak because of all, and you can clap. That's amazing. That's our 10th baptism. We're playing five first service, four next service. But that one I just had to save for this moment. Mario was filled with so many painkillers that he couldn't really talk. He couldn't walk. He couldn't stand. He couldn't put two words together. But when Brandon asked him if he accepted Jesus Christ, he put the word yes together. And when we asked him if he wanted to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, he said yes. When I got that phone call in my office a few months ago, I didn't know my purpose was to pray with Mario. When Brandon woke up that day here at the altar, he didn't know his purpose was to lead Mario to Jesus. And when we went over to Mario's that day, Mario didn't know his purpose was to get baptized. Mario left this earth three days after that, but he went with the faith and reassurance of knowing his father and where he would go.